Hi, I'm Samantha Boffin, and this is Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing, the podcast that helps you find, prep, and direct the perfect voice artists for your projects so you can get the most from every single booking. Hello, and welcome to Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. I'm Samantha Boffin, and this is the podcast that helps you get the most from every professional voiceover booking. Today, we're going to be chatting all about audiobook production with Amber Bates, who works for Orion Books in the UK. Amber casts narrators for audiobooks, which is a very complex art and involves, well, you'll discover exactly what it involves in the podcast. I was in two minds about publishing this podcast at all, not because of the content, but because the guest recording is pretty low res. We recorded over Zoom, big mistake, my mistake, not Amber's, never do it, but actually the content is great. We toyed with re-recording, but, well, it was December and it was very busy for both of us, and actually, I thought it would be quite an interesting experiment. How important is perfect audio if the content is compelling enough? Well, we shall see. I'd love to have your thoughts on that one. There are so many great insights here, so I'm not going to apologise again. This is all about casting for audiobooks with Amber Bates. The audiobook industry is booming right now, and it seems that listening to books has never been more popular. Fact or fiction, we love a good listen. But finding the right narrator for an audiobook is no easy task, and it can make or break a book. So today, I'm talking to Amber Bates from Orion Books in the UK. Amber's title is a publishing assistant, but that really doesn't do justice to the part she plays in getting a book from a manuscript and into our ears. Hello, Amber. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in today. So, so you work for Orion Books, and one of the many things you do is you are involved in casting narrators for audiobooks. Is that one of the main parts of your job? It is a main. Uh, it is one of the main parts of my job. It's probably one of the most important ones because otherwise, how do you get audiobooks out there without casting a narrator? Uh, so yes, it is one of my main parts. Oh no, that's it. So, what is involved in it? Is it wholly down to you, or are there other people involved in the process? Um, so it starts with me, but then other people get brought in. So obviously, the author is always um, within the conversation from when we actually start it, and I include the editor and the agent as well, um, because even though it's about the the book is the essence of the authors, like they they brought it to fruition, and uh, you know they they're very close to it and they love it. So I always want to bring in their uh, their thoughts and opinions on a narrator, but I always include the agent and editor as well because. Um, you can't just think of a voice that you love to listen to or you really want. You have to think of other elements like the market and how other listeners or other readers might think of it compared to just one person's view. Yeah, so the people sort of involved in the process your end would be the editor yeah. and the... Have you got an agent as well? Is there an yes. agent involved? Uh, yes, it's always the author's agent um, that is involved with the editor on my end as well. But usually as a minimum... We include the, the editor, author and the agent. Ah, OK. So and are you thinking as well about the audience in terms of what will suit both the book and the audience? Yes. 
Um, so when I'm thinking about the audience, I'm thinking about, well, first of all, is the author someone who is a debut or are they someone who is well-versed in publishing and have done several books? Because sometimes if they have, maybe they already have a, a narrator that's followed them through like a series or like it's just someone they really trust and they love to read their book. Or as in the other kind of direction, if it's like, a, for example, a debut author who's never had, had to think about audiobooks before with their work, I think of like who do they personally like the sound of and someone who's going to match the character inside their book and of course where it's based as well inside the story or if it's non-fiction where it is anyway and then market-wise it's thinking about what do people out there who are genuine audiobook listeners who do they prefer to listen to as well what is a more popular voice that they can listen to for at least seven to 15 hours you know because that's a very long time to be listening to one voice and you've got to enjoy it and actually want to continue and come back to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So often one of the first things people ask me when I'm narrating a book, if people find out I'm an audiobook narrator, they say, oh, do you do you read the book before you actually record it? She always makes me laugh. <laughs> um, presumably you, obviously, you read the book. Yes, always. So whenever I have a, a title upcoming, I read the book. Firstly, I kind of read it for enjoyment because I want to see how I feel when I'm reading it. And then, of course, when I read read it again, I'm thinking about um, the characters and like how many that are there. Are there different points of view? Are they male and female? Are there uh, particular accents in the story? Like are they based in the Cotswolds or Scotland or in London um, or even America? And um then I've got to think about like how does their personality come through the book because that can needs to be reflected sometimes in the tone of the story and um, because you're not going to have someone who's like really clear and quite feminine for someone who's actually a bit more grumpy and a bit darker and a bit more serious it, it just wouldn't work so um yes I always read the book um before casting and when I work with the studio to book it they always read it too so there's more than one person's perspective that um, is going into the sort of casting. So everyone involved in the process is is familiar, very familiar with the book. So you said you actually read it twice. Yes. So you read it <laughs> once as a punter, yeah? Yes, yes, definitely. Because um, I want to know what I feel when I'm reading it. Do Because um, if it's like quite a nice um, kind of easy... Um, romantic book for example actually um, then you want someone who kind of like keeps you in that feeling of being like um, you know if it's comedic you want you want to know you can have a narrator who can handle the, the, the funny lines and the moments to actually bring it out but yeah. And presumably it makes a difference if it's written in the third person or the first person oh, yes. it's, it's going to make a difference to the kind of person that you would choose. Yes definitely I mean um, because some as as you said in the point of view third or first person um it can impact whether um you need a multicast or not um so if it's like third person we try to actually steer to um not multicast just because you don't want to have too many different voices in your ears and you could get confused with the different characters are going on um so we try to actually reduce the amount of multicast unless it is a first person and then with different points of view. Um, so then we do consider it, but there is always the potential of um, too much dialogue overlapping. 
And then that gets completely confusing for the listener because they can't. So it's completely different when you're reading it in front of you, you can physically see the difference in the characters, catch changes. Whereas when you're listening to it, you really have to know who is talking. Um, and if you have like two female, two female readers talking at you, but they sound quite similar, um, then you could think, well, what's the point of having both of them? Who is who? And then you don't follow the story as well. And it becomes yeah. not a very nice experience for, for yeah, anyone it- to listen to. It gets in the way of actually you just listening to it. You're 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 sitting there trying to work out who's who's who. So do you do many multicasts? Um, we don't do too many, but it's something we are open to. Um, we have um, done multiple books in the past where um, it's kind of done it in a podcast style. So um, if it's in, for example, we make sure each chap. For example, we have a chapter and it's about one character in first person. Then that would be um, a one read and then the second chapter um we'll try and see if we can have a um like a different tone or a different person but you know it's very distinctive and you know it um so yes we do we are definitely open to doing multicast um, as long as it works with the book and um it works well for the author as well then yes yeah yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah, because often I think of audiobooks as being single people. There, there, it's it's certainly there. Are, there have been multicasts that I've I've listened to before, and they almost become more like audio plays. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's if you've got all these people involved in the process, is there a point at any point? I'm sure there must have been where people clash over what kind of person they envisage as the as the voice of the book. Yes, certainly. I mean, um, our target is always for me when I go out and cast is to find the best reader I can that works for the author and the market and the story itself. Um, But as you say, sometimes there is a clash and they don't um, agree. But when that happens, I kind of I appreciate it if they give me the feedback, which a majority of the time they do, um, because then they can explain to me why is it that they aren't keen on something I've put forward um have they and if they've got a different vision in mind then I'd like to keep it open and um you know that's it's a it's a not a one-way conversation it goes both ways it's meant to always be that way um yes whenever it comes to any clashing I always keep that in mind what the author wants and then I try and keep in mind um you know will it work for the market will it work for the story um, and so, so sometimes we actually work with the US and, you know, if we um, exchange um, masters of recordings, then um, we, um, I also keep that in mind as well, because um, you're not going to have two sets of recordings of one title, you're going to stick to one. So, um, for example, there, there's a title that is based in, the, based in the US and the story is based in the US. And then the author isn't keen on um, a narrator's I've put forward. I would consider what the US have put forward um, because it may be more to a more aligns more of what the author actually wants and what she, they're thinking. Um, and if it works well for the market, then um, I'm more than happy to kind of give up the reins of like the casting and considering where it best would sit rather than you know, I have to have control. I'd rather just be kind of open and, you know, thinking, adapting yeah. basically to whatever the issue is. And the, the author on the whole, as well as the audience, because it's got to be sold, obviously, but the author is the person really that is is the, the more pivotal one there in terms of if, the, if there's a clash, you're trying to work towards what the author feels. 
definitely. Um, I always want to make sure the author comes back really happy with their audio because, as I said before, they put their heart and soul into writing this. It is it is a long process um, reading something that closely um, for so long um, or for so short, depending how fast they write. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Yes. Uh, but yes, I always want to put the author's feelings in mind. If there's ever a time, kind of linking back to your previous question, the clashing, if there's ever a time I feel that um, then an option that I put forward might be better for the, for the audience, then I do kind of try and uh, explain as much as possible to the authors why we're thinking that way. So we try to find like a middle ground, um, but always in the end, it needs to, the author needs to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So imagine you're casting a book right at the start of um, the process. You have a book, you need to find a narrator. What kind of things are you taking into account? Um, So when I'm casting, I kind of think about, because we publish like hundreds of titles every year, um, I kind of think about it's, uh, where's it going to fit in its genre? um, And where is it uh, how well is it likely to do in an audio market because um, something that does really well in like a physical edition may not be the same for an audio edition um, so when I'm casting I'm trying to think about how well is it how can I make it sell the best um, so uh, for example if a book is in, in literary if it's a literary book then I know where it's going to possibly go based on like metadata and reading it uh, where it's going to sit in audible for example, um, and then um, so I know what kind of um, voices is more likely to be needed. A lot of the time for literary, it is mostly in like third person, not always, obviously, but m- majority it is. So then I already kind of know that I'm more likely thinking of one reader. Um, and then, of course, then after I've read it the couple of times the manuscript, um, I start thinking about um, obviously the things I've mentioned before, like gender, where is it based? What's the story about? The tone of the story, and uh, then yeah, and then I kind of just after I've kind of got those kind of casting brief notes together, then I start kind of thinking about um, going to like a studio to book it because they will have um, a different point of view um, of how they think it could work well for the audiobook because they always want an audiobook to work well. You know, it's it's like a it's, it's their reputation. Um, so um, I always kind of give my, the notes I've gathered and thoughts and I um, give them kind of, I don't always give my thoughts straight away to them because I don't want to um, like, uh, what's the word, you know, you don't want to um, influence what they're thinking. Um, so I want to see what they think first and then kind of collaborate and see how it goes and what we end up with before we're sending it to the author. And they've also also read the book. So they're, they're also in that process, aren't they? Yeah. So have you got a pool of voices that you tend to use? Yes. So uh, we do have some voices that we keep kind of like, um, we know who will work consistently, like if we ever need like a backup narrator or 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 if um, someone who we know is just always done really well. We do have a pool of of them, but um, we are trying to be as diverse and open as possible to other readers because there aren't just a pool of them out there. There's there's hundreds of them out there. Um, So uh, yes, we do 
use our pool quite often, but um, we're trying to be more open and looking at other places, whether that's through um, studios knowing freelancers or if it's um, to boys agencies. And we're kind of just like having a look on retailer websites as well, listening, see what's um, doing really well at the moment. Um, oh, that's interesting. So sorry, actually, just interrupting. So you you would be looking at what the trends are in voices in the genre that you're working in. Yeah, sometimes that can have like a, a really big impact and like who's trending. Um, so like a couple years ago, you know, when Game of Thrones was happening, um, a Gemma Whalen was actually used quite often in the industry. You'll see it like a little pattern she's dotted about. Um, and so you know that if, for example, you've got like an, an upcoming leading title and um, her voice could actually suit it, and um, you know that's when we kind of go out and see if they're available or interested in recording for us because if they're popular not just in audio but in other ways in other parts of the industry they've worked in so her film and tv then uh, we're more likely to get um, notice of it and um, promote the audio book more. And, and actually on that, if, if she was not available or somebody that you, you, so you're thinking, oh, this would suit a, I don't know, a Joanne Froggett type voice or, you know, somebody that's pretty, um, but you couldn't actually get her. Would you look for somebody that sounds like that mm. particular actor or actress? Yeah. Yes, especially if we've um, gone to the author beforehand and said we're kind of interested in finding out if this uh, Jane Froggett, for example, is available, um, would you be happy? And if they are saying yes, um, but then we find out that, you know, Jane isn't available, then we will try and find one who was very close to it um, or someone who uh, is kind of like of a similar standing. So um, Amelia Fox. She's got, she's kind of similar to Jane Froggart and has like her level of um, readership um, loves basically. Um, so we could either find someone who's very similar or someone who's an equal level, also similar as well in the same sort of area because, um, you know, they might have like the same, they might have soft tones or something that's a different version of a soft tone and yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you're actually looking for a voice, are you doing a lot of listening to, um, you know, audiobook reels or are you doing a lot of listening to actual books that are out there? Um, so wh- when I'm looking, yes, I do do a lot of listening. Um, so, for example, I, as I support, I go sometimes in Audible. Um, so Because obviously after I've maybe looked around on like um, voice agency websites, I might go and see what they've done, what someone has done previously, just kind of see how um, how um, adaptable and like their range of voice or something, um, just to kind of see um, if, for example, I really like someone's natural voice, but they've worked in mostly in children's books. I want to see if they've done other books, which are adult. Um, and if they could actually transfer that over and um, so, yes, I do do a lot of listening. Um, I have voices ringing in my ear all day. Um, <laughs> and I do like to try and keep like notes of people that I have worked or haven't worked before. I kind of try and keep um, like a it, it's a very big spreadsheet. But I try to keep note of people I've worked with before um, or even potential suggestions just so then I can. It helps me find people faster that way, but um, I do majority of time just listen. So I want to see how it feels when I'm hearing someone. Yeah, actually. And do you find that it can be useful? So say, go back to that idea of you, you've found somebody that it predominantly has worked in the youth or the children's market and you 
feel that their tone of voice would work well with adult fiction, um, would you ever get them to read an excerpt of the book in order to sense check whether they can make that transition? Um, yes, I do like to ask for samples. Um, I don't do it um, a lot just because, um, you know, they may have the, sometimes they may have the expectations that I want to hire them. So I try to put out that, you know, that I just kind of want to see if they would A, be interested um, in recording, but would they also mind just doing like an excerpt to see, or a sample, just to see how it, they sound coming across and can they keep it up as well? Um, because uh, they may they may be used to doing, it's kind of like just testing how an actor would feel reading for so long in a particular voice. Is it natural? Is it comfortable? Um, and then also would the author be happy? Um, because when I send also the casting emails to the author, um, I give them um, a link to show all the previous works one has done so they can hear the different range of voices that they can do. Um, and so have asking for example or real um, is a really useful way to kind of get the author to hear their own words already of what it will sound like. So is, is what if you're looking for somebody who's really new, who hasn't done any audiobooks before? Yeah. What happens then? Or does Orion tend to use people that they know are tried and tested? Um, we're more comfortable with using someone who has experience, but it doesn't mean we're not open to having someone who hasn't had experience. Um, so if a, a voice, um, if a narrator has um, worked um, doing like voiceovers for other things, just not specifically audiobooks, um, we do try to kind of give them the option to, because they may want to break into the, the audiobook market, but no one's actually giving them a chance. And I always hate the thought of not giving someone a chance. Uh, which is when, you know, that's when uh, I will probably ask for a sample and see how they sound. Um, because, yeah, I'd like to give, I like thought I give the benefit of the doubt of someone who may have never worked in it before, but could end up being really fantastic and being quite popular. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you were talking earlier as well about studios. So do you, do you work out of studios almost exclusively or has 2020 changed that market? 2020's definitely changed it. I mean, predominantly we were working out of studios all over the UK, um, but because of the COVID-19, um, we have been doing a lot of home-based recordings and that has definitely changed of how we're going to work, um, not just from what we did in the past year, but going forward. Um, I mean, a lot of the time, we will always probably prefer people to come record in a studio because they've got all the technical setup to make sure they can get as much of a clean recording as possible and um, making sure that someone is kind of there to help direct them if they need it um, whereas like if they're on their own at home there's not someone there to maybe pick up on something they might hear compared to what the narrator is saying like they, they will hear something different um, uh, so yes there are more home-based recordings and they will likely to continue going forward um but um yeah no it's pre it's presumably it's more controllable when you bring them into your studios or a studio where as you say you've got somebody the other side of the glass sense checking what they're doing that on the whole you find that that is an easier way of working 
Yes, it is um, an easier way for working for kind of everyone involved, um, but um, some people may not be comfortable coming into the studio for the long, longest time. So there have been plenty of people, readers, um, setting themselves up in their homes try and create environments best they can for recording and majority of times they've actually worked pretty well um, obviously sometimes there needs to be more heavy editing on the studio side to make sure it comes through clean um, that's entirely possible and it does work yeah and then and actually you talk about the diversity presumably going forward there may be it's it's a way of widening your pool of voices if you can if you're open to doing both home recordings and studio recordings Definitely, um, especially if like someone is nowhere near any of the studios we usually use. Um, we may like try and reach out to a new studio, see if they'd be willing to go to someone closer. And that means we get to become in business with someone we haven't worked with before, which is always good. Um, but uh, yes, it does give us a chance to be more diverse because um, people may um, not be able to travel to certain places or um, yeah, it's just it's just a really good opportunity to have more people that we've never worked with before. Yeah, absolutely. And do you get involved in the recording process at all? Do you go to the studios? Um, I rarely go to studios because um, if we're using, for example, uh, a reader who has plenty of experience and they've done it before, they don't really need us. They don't need us there. Um, They know what they're doing and the producer knows what they're doing. So it's kind of like leaving them to do their job. You know, they know they know what to do. The only time I go to a studio, if it's like um, someone who's never read before or if it's um, maybe an author read, because um, authors may feel like they want to read their own books. But to the point they actually get in the studio and start doing it themselves, they may be like they don't like it at all. So uh, that means, you know, that means they're there to tell us and tell tell us how they feel. And then we can organise something of changing the casting. Um, And then that's it. That's the only time we'll kind of like be in the studio is just make sure everyone's comfortable and they're happy to continue. Otherwise, again, I just kind of let people do what they do. They they know what to do. They know what they're doing. Yeah, because you've got that relationship with the directly with the author. So it makes sense for you to you know go down there if they're the reader yes yeah definitely I mean I'm sometimes an agent may come down to the studio with me with the author but um, usually the agent kind of trusts us to look after them um, and you know it builds a relationship a lot closer because when we're talking to an author majority of the time it's over email rarely sometimes it's over the phone but we don't actually get to see them in person unless they come into the office and then we get to meet them. So it kind of just gives us a chance to have a closer relationship with the author, make sure they're really happy. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, one of the reasons that I met you, actually, and why we're talking today is because you've just published, or about a month ago actually was published, but it's relevant for this time of year, a Christmas book called The Six Tales of Christmas. And the reason it was on my radar is because a very good friend of mine wrote it uh, and it's had really good reviews. Um, but I, what struck me when I knew she was writing it and when it was uh, published, and I thought to myself, gosh, because it's set at Christmas, did that make a difference to the kind of narrator that you were then looking for? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, it had an impact on how the story goes. It's 
it is a Christmas book, but it's a, it's not a dark Christmas book. Um, so that means I wanted to keep in mind someone who um, has quite a warm, caring, kind of happy voice um, in kind of like summarizing it down um, because Christmas makes everyone happy. It's really joyful. A lot of people are nicer at Christmas. Um, and <laughs> and uh, so I want to... And you, you do, you want to feel warm, don't you? You want to feel you do. nostalgically, you typically to... Christmas, yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of what I kept in mind when I was looking for someone to read. And hence why I chose um, Karen Cass in the end uh, to put forward because she kind of fit the bill. And, um, you know, she when you listen to her it made me think oh yeah this is what makes me think of Christmas it's really nice and soft and um but light um but yeah so yes definitely yeah because you're cre- creating an atmosphere with an, an audiobook because what's fascinating about an audiobook is all the all the different is that the, actually the complexity of all the different things you need to take into account and there's this sort of added complexity with this one in that you you've got to feel as though you're in this Christmas story yes yeah I definitely I want a reader when they're listening to it to feel like it puts them in a Christmas mood and um I want them to see it as a book you know sometimes you know how um, there's always a film you watch at Christmas I want this to become an audio book that people want to listen to um at every you know kind of like something every year you know because they know it makes them feel good and it's it's a it's a really good story as well and Yes, yeah, so you can imagine imagine putting this on if you're, you know, making doing your Christmas baking or you know if you're if you're yeah Christmas yeah. wrapping uh, yeah definitely <laughs> yeah it's a lovely idea so so other than the quality of the voice which obviously needs to be absolutely right and particularly with something like the Six Tales of Christmas you need to get that voice absolutely spot on um, to, to, to get that whole atmosphere going. What other skills do you think an audiobook narrator needs to actually fly in this industry? Uh, they definitely need to be very uh, flexible and adaptable because um, things can change before, during a recording or before a recording. Um, so the fact that, you know, they're really open to um, maybe other suggestions that could come through from the, from the um, author. Um, and that means, you know, all the preparation that a narrator does could end up being um, like scrapped all of it or some of it. Um, but so it kind of it's really good to have um, a reader who's really friendly and it's really, um, ha- you know, just, yeah, very adaptable to the tone, not just the tone of voice. Yes. So they need to be able to be directable and, and flexible and able, presumably being punctual and turning up and doing the research is all, also really good. Yes. And definitely, and they need to kind of be open to any, um, as you said, the, the directing from a producer, maybe they need to be open to the fact that they may ask them to repetitively read something over and over and over on like one particular section. So they need to have like a lot of patience because um, it is very tiring to read, to constantly be speaking for what, eight, eight hours maybe, even with, with breaks. Eight hours. I was going to say, how how much would you expect to get out of a, a single audiobook session? So they may be recording for eight hours, but that they wouldn't they wouldn't produce eight hours of audiobook in that session. 
No, they wouldn't. Yeah. So um, we we kind of um, work out how many days it's typically going to take for someone to record based on like word count. Um, and then we kind of think about, for example, if it's someone who, uh, like yourself, has done lots of reading, you would probably got a, you can handle it and you can keep reading um, with obviously necessary breaks throughout the day for like three days, for example. But for someone who hasn't read and got much experience in narrating or being in the studio, um, they will probably take a bit longer. So we try to keep that in mind. Yes, I can imagine an author-led book particularly that that they won't necessarily have the, you know, have the background to actually keep going day after day and hour after hour. Yes. Hour after hour. I mean, like even now, my my throat is starting to get dry. (laughs) And it's probably, you're probably going to hear the change and difference of it because of how much talking we're doing. But imagine doing that all day like for example 10 10 to 5 or something with like an hour because even if you take an hour off for lunch it's only a little yes. break isn't it Gotta really compared to the rest of keep it hydrated. And, then, yeah. and then you <laughs> yeah exactly yeah oh thank you so much Amber and it is it is fascinating how the, when you're listening to an audiobook often it's a really simple thing often there's very little uh, other than the actual voice of the narrator there's there might be a tiny stab of music at the beginning but actually that's often about it and it's incredible how that gives you this atmosphere that it pulls you they pull you into their world and of course all of the things that you've been talking about today the the sheer complexity of just choosing the right narrator for the right uh, book is absolutely fascinating so much involved in it there is definitely more involved than probably people would ever think when they hear like an audiobook like oh like it, it doesn't take much just one person there's so many different components to it and how they've actually ended up choosing and acting at that voice, performing it. Um, yeah, there is so much more to it than people rig- originally think. I mean, for example, sorry, going on. No, like, compared to like being on stage where you're using your whole body and then your voice, you've got to just kind of act everything you can into your voice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I am um, in awe of people who do narrators, who work for a living doing just reading audiobooks. Yeah, I'm always fascinated how much of your body you actually do use. People sort of think you almost sort of stand straight without without um, moving at all. But actually, of course, it's not. When you're trying to get a character into your voice, you use your whole body to do that silently, but you use your whole body. Yes, I'd recommend people to like just, just, for example, look up a clip of people who... Um, because there will be clips out there of people who are in the studio and they'll see how much they move obviously try not to affect the microphone um but because it's it's not natural to just stay still with it so um there is so you do act with your whole body absolutely it'd be very difficult to get any personality through if you were just sort of standing stock still yeah absolutely oh amber thank you so much and um yeah i i i will now go because we're, we're recording this on the 1st of december and i promised Anne marie that i wouldn't read her book until the 1st of december so that's my treat today and um and like like a lot of people i've also got the audiobook version as well because i tend to flip i tend to to start reading and then 
go and do something else. So I like to pick up where I've left off and 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 listen to the audiobook as well. So I'm very excited about the prospect of listening to the Six Tales of Christmas from now. You will enjoy it. <laughs> I recommend. I and I, I know you enjoy it. Yeah. No, I am. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you oh, for having me. Oh, pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And I might add that The Six Tales of Christmas is still well worth a listen to add some warmth to winter, even if it is January. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening and do connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram if you want more voiceover goodness. This was Talking Creative. Until next time, bye. That's it for this week on Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. If you're new here, do take a moment to subscribe, rate and review on your favourite podcast app or head over to talkingcreative.co.uk where you'll find the whole series so you can get the most from every single booking.